Hey everyone, welcome back to On Purpose. I'm on the road this week. I've been doing a bit of traveling. I've been everywhere from Vancouver for We Day. It was amazing. We had 20,000 kids who'd done thousands and thousands and hours of service to be live at this event in Vancouver. It was incredible. It was all about service, all about spreading purpose and positivity. And then I went to Lake Tahoe. I was doing an incredible event with YouTube's uh, team and we were talking about mental health. We were talking about how powerful the platform is and what a big impact it can have. And now I'm in London, so I'm on the road right now, but I really, really wanted to get a great episode out for you this week. So what I'm sharing with you is a sneak peek of the interview that took place at Wisdom 2.0 in San Francisco. This was one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. I think we got into a really great conversation about social media, how it can be used effectively, what are the pros, what are the cons, how we can actually create habits that work better. So I can't wait for you to hear this episode. Thank you so much. You're going to love it. Thanks for being here. here to talk about social media and how to use that in uh, both a creative and a thoughtful way. So we had um, Ev Williams here last night, who's one of the founders of Twitter. And he said, you know, we had no idea what we were creating. (laughs) We thought if we gave everybody a voice, like life would instantly kind of be better. And then after the last election, uh, when one of the candidates used it very loud and boisterously, uh, he said, we have to kind of look again, like how social media can either create divisions or also create unity. And so I'm interested to hear your own experiences on um, what the possibilities and potential of social media are and how you found using it in ways that actually inspire people versus just kind of go into a a scroll, (laughs) Uh, kind of, uh, and I go into this time where you're just scrolling around and you're pretty much mindlessly kind of consuming content. So... Any thoughts? Absolutely. How many of you have ever found yourself in a random rabbit hole on social media? Right. But one of the most incredible things I believe that social media has done is that it genuinely just amplifies what's inside us already. And that's a really harsh and inconvenient truth, but it's true because the challenge is that envy and competition have always existed inside the human condition. And so social media simply puts a massive magnifying glass on that and makes it feel like it's this new issue. But actually, it's been something that we've not dealt with for a long, long time. The desire for competition, comparison, criticism, gossip, that's always been there. It's just that social media has put a magnifying glass on it and amplified it huge again, where we're like, oh my God, there's this new issue. And loneliness and not connecting with people have always been there. There's this incredible study that I love quoting at the moment, when men and women were asked to be alone with their thoughts for 15 minutes or choose an electric shock. 60%, 60% of men chose an electric shock and 30% of women chose an electric shock. So do you want to be alone with our thoughts for 15 minutes? So social media has just provided us a way to fill that 15 minutes but it's us who are so uncomfortable being alone. So what I've seen having started making content around three years ago online, having made content for years offline, but online content, Inc. did a study and released it two weeks ago. Out of the 777 million posts on Facebook last year, which I'm sure many of you contributed to, (laughs) out of the 777 million posts on Facebook last year, the majority of posts that did well 
were positive. The top 500 posts on Facebook last year were positive, uplifting, and empowering. And the top 10 videos were all positive and made people happy. It wasn't news. It wasn't politics. It wasn't any of those things that we may spend all of our days talking about and worrying about. It was the things that did well. It was the things that were doing well and spreading goodness. And so my perspective, having lived as a monk for three years in India... We talked a lot about the neutrality of anything. So this glass is not good or bad. It's what's filled inside of it. So right now it's got water in it, which is great. And it could have poison in it, which would be bad. Thanks for not doing that, sir. <laughs> and the glass can't be judged as good or bad. So when I approached social media, I saw it in the same way as this glass, that social media inherently is not good or bad. It's given meaning by how I use it. It's given meaning by what I subscribe to it for. It's given meaning by who I follow, what I follow, and what I share. And guess what? The majority of us are sharing good stuff. Mm -hmm. Statistically, philosophically, spiritually, those are the kind of messages that genuinely are spreading on social media. And it's for us to continue to be a part of that rather than be a part of that problem. So my encouragement and recommendation is share good, follow good, create good, and social media can be a place that enlivens, enlightens. I, uh, to give I think, you, yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's beautiful. And um, I think uh, I, I'm with you in that on one level. On another level, this glass doesn't know all of your data mm-hmm. and doesn't get upset and start pinging you every time you stop using it for a few days. Mm-hmm. Jay, did you see your mom's post? Jay, so-and-so like this, Jay. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's just here for you to use it. Um, social media tends to be it needs to be fed, right? Yes. At least in an advertising model, it needs, it needs to be fed to continue. And so how do you work on that system where you know that it's, it's trying to grab our attention and we have to figure out some way of, of managing that well? And I think that's part of the challenge is, is like the, the glass isn't, isn't <laughs> is there if you need sure. it and not need it. The, the, the data that now the systems have for keeping us um, that's where I get a little bit of like, I have some conflict around or Absolutely. questions around. I'm wondering how you manage that. And I understand they need to make money and there's people they need to pay. So there has to be some advertising model. At the same time, there's a lot of data they know about us to keep us kind of hooked in. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. Yeah. How many, how many of you pull out your phones and then put it back inside your pocket and then wonder why you pulled it out in the first place. <laughs> Anyone else do that? I do that all the time. And then you, you convince yourself that you looked at the time, but then when you ask yourself what the time was, you don't know what it is. So, I, <laughs> thank you. I'm glad you do it too. I do it all the time. And, you know, we take our phones out of pocket 200 times a day and check, check all our posts 2,000 times a day plus on average. So, great question. Completely agree with what you're saying. Don't disagree with it at all. For me, it comes down to a place of personal discipline. Capitalism means you're going to be hit by multiple messages forever. Before social media, it was the billboards, right? Or the television, it was the television. Before the television, it was billboards, right? Before the billboards, it was something else. I wasn't alive. But the point, the point is that there's always been a way in which consumerism and capitalism will constantly try and bombard you. Mm-hmm. So we can either sit here and complain about it or be upset about it. But guess what? Social media is not going away. So what are we going to do about it? It's us building those practices and habits of personal discipline that allow us to refrain from it. So one of my favorite ones is I have no technology zones and times in my home. 
So there are zones in the home that I don't believe technology should go to. Those are the kitchen and the bedroom because it's more fun to eat and sleep with people. <laughs> and I also recommend no technology times. So one of my favorite ones is I've trained myself to not look at my phone first thing in the morning. Now, when I first started to do this, I literally had to lock every device in my car, downstairs, <laughs> outside my home. And I ordered a Timex alarm clock from Amazon. And I had that by my bedside, and that's what I would wake up to. And I would wake up to that, and I wouldn't have my phone as an instant way of pushing dopamine through my mind. And I was training myself out of that habit of relying on that notification to make me feel good mm -hmm. so that I could dedicate my time to my, my personal two-hour meditation practice every morning. I could dedicate that time to exercising and working out. So I feel whatever it takes for us to build those habits in our lives, none of us genuinely need our phone first thing in the morning. Like none of us mm -hmm. can say we need it. There's nothing on that device that you mm -hmm. need in the morning. And if you say it's an alarm, there's plenty of other alarm clocks, plenty nicer alarm notifications too. So I think the answer mm -hmm. to your question is I agree, but that has, that's not new. It's mm -hmm. always been there. It's just now companies are smarter and faster mm -hmm. at doing it. And therefore we have to be smarter and faster at caring for ourselves. Um, creation of content, what have been some of the surprises? Because you've created things that I thought, I'm sure that you've thought, oh, this is going to kill it. People are going <laughs> to love it and it didn't do so well. And you probably created other things that's like, whoa, I had no idea. So what have you learned about the content that you're creating that seems to get the greatest response from people? Absolutely. So I read a study by the New York Times that analyzed the 7,000 pieces of viral content to talk about what content actually scales across the human mind. The first type of content is, and there's only five categories of content that are shareable and that go viral. The first one is adventure. Content that makes you feel a sense of adventure is more shareable. The second is comedy or humor. Makes sense. The third one is emotion. Emotion is attached to news, usually negative. When we see some negative news, it triggers a negative emotion. We share it. The fourth is inspiration and positivity and motivation. And the fifth is surprise. We love sharing like a dog cat video or a baby video that, you know, a baby dancing to Beyonce or a dog doing something else. We, we share that type of content. So when I look at all of that and I look at the type of content I've created, every time I've gone wrong is when I've tried to create a piece of content where I want someone to learn something or know something. Because if you look at these five things, they're all feelings, right? We all want to feel a sense of adventure. We want to feel like laughing. We feel bad, right? That's a feeling. We feel inspired and we feel a sense of surprise. We don't know, learn or remember that. The feeling in itself is memorable. So every time I've made a video where I thought it was going to do really well, it's when I've been like, I really want the audience to know this point and to learn this point and remember this point. And this point is so important. It's more important than everything else in the world, <laughs> which I'm sure a lot of us do as content creators or, or curators or whatever we are. And it's when I've forgotten that we're all feelers. We all, we all feel. So now I ask myself when I make a piece of content, how does someone feel after watching this video? Not what they think, know or remember. And that's been the difference in content that is scaled and content mm -hmm. that is not done as well because I believe as humans we, we love feeling. Mm -hmm. And how do you see the balance between actually reading something and then taking action? So for example, I can see an inspirational video. I'm like, oh wow, yeah, I'm going to go be kinder. And then, oh wow, cool cat video. And it, <laughs> it lasts, that feeling lasts for like one second or two seconds. Like, wow, I'm being motivated to go out and be kind. Yes. When it looks like 
it looks like sometimes that, that visceral negativity actually inspires more than the positivity. And I'm wondering yeah. if that's just something I'm missing or if the platform is kind of set up a certain way or how we address that as a culture. Because I worry that the loudest, meanest voice, just like in a playground, the loudest, meanest voice can win out. And same with on Twitter or social media, like the loudest, meanest voice is going to uh, win out. So oh, how do we address that? Yeah, that's a great point. I, I think it's a great question. I think one of the biggest things I see is that as a human motivator, I remember when I was studying the Vedic teachings, which, which is my background, they talk about the three key motivators of humanity. The bottom and lowest motivator is hate and fear. Mm-hmm. And it's the easiest one to get activated by. Higher than that is duty, which doesn't really exist in the world today, but that sense of commitment, loyalty, duty, doing something just out of responsibility. Mm-hmm. And then the highest is love. And that's the highest one to access. It's the hardest one to access. And it's one that takes a bit more time. How many times has someone shouted at you to do something? You do it straight away. Mm-hmm. And someone asked you really nicely, like, I'll do it later, right? It's so much easier to get activated by fear and hatred. So I think that's common. That exists. We know that. But I think we have to... Oh, there's a beautiful thought from Martin Luther King that I always think of when, when I answer or I'm thinking of a question like this. And he says that those who love peace need to learn to organize themselves as well as those who love war, mm-hmm. right? Those who, thank you, Martin Luther King. Uh, those who love peace need to learn to organize themselves as well as those who love war. And that's the mistake I see that we rely so much, those who are coming from a place of love, compassion, and empathy, rely so much on just love, compassion, and empathy. We don't get strategic. We don't get focused. We don't hustle hard. We don't work. And that was the difference commitment that I decided to make my own life. I was like, if I'm going to be an ambassador for change, if I'm going to make wisdom go viral, if my videos are going to be the most seen videos on social media, which they are, I'm going to have to work as hard as someone who wants to break the world. Yeah. Right? And if I don't work that hard, thank you. If, if I don't put in that work, just intentionally wanting good stuff mm-hmm. and wanting to manifest positivity is not enough. And I think that's the biggest challenge. We need to get more strategic. We need to get more focused. We need to be hustling as hard, or if not harder, Mm -hmm. as someone who doesn't want the world to go in the right way. So I'm curious, we have a few minutes left. Is there something we haven't covered yet that you're super passionate about and you feel like, I just, this is really important to me. I I want to give it across. Yeah, thank you for asking that. I think one of the biggest things that I've learned by doing social media and being an online creator is that we can really switch a online community to an offline community. So part of the work that I've been doing is trying to build tribes and communities around people who connect with my content online. So I now have, obviously, there's millions of people that are following my work online, billions of people that are watching the video, but that doesn't satisfy me. Like, I'm not doing it for the views or the follow account or for the vanity metric. What I get really excited about is when groups of my community and audience are getting together. So we now have... In person. In person. So we now have... My, my audience spans across about 140 countries, and we now have tribes and groups and meetups in 140 cities every single week where people are getting together without me being there. And, and that's the beauty of it for me, that they're finding their own tribe, their community without me needing to be there. And that's the beauty of it for me, that people are finding real human connection because sometimes they feel their families in negative toxic environment. Sometimes they feel their work's in negative toxic environment. So this is an alternative family, yeah. right? This is giving an alternative option. So I feel the quicker we can transfer our 
online connections to offline ones, mm. the more meaningful social media becomes mm. rather than just leaving them there and chatting mm -hmm. to people. So I really believe in that transfer of online to offline. And I think that can make yeah. a huge impact. Yeah, I was reading a study recently about whether social media creates more loneliness or, or uh, dissipates loneliness, and that was the difference. The difference was, are you using social media mainly to just keep using social media, and are you use, or are you using social media to join meetups, to find out about events, to find out about gatherings, where you actually have a human connection, because it's that human connection that actually uh, decreases that sense of loneliness. Um, and we've had various speakers here who started Facebook or Twitter, different kind of things, And they had no idea what was going to happen <laughs> to, their, to their platforms, right? I mean, the platforms have become something much bigger than they... They never imagined a Donald Trump when they started Twitter, I think it was 13 years ago, or, or other people who've used the things. It's, it's like, it's, it's taken on a life of its own. And I'm wondering if you... We just have a few minutes left. If, um, if you can say something about, like, the, the vision that you have for social media, which I know you've kind of spoken to somewhat, but I feel like... There is, a, there is a turning point that we're kind of facing, which is now that everybody can have a voice, now that we all have our own production company and platform, what are we going to do with it? And is it going to take us further away from nature, take us further away from human contact? Are we going to like not see our children even more because everyone's at the dinner table, like mm -hmm. not connecting? And um, I appreciate the work you've done because I feel like we need models and we need Thank examples you. and we need people who are forging a path that's like, All right, if this exists, let's at least try to use it. Before we give up on it, let's at least try to use it in a way that inspires. So, um, yeah, any final thoughts? Absolutely, yeah. If you need to take a break of social media, do it. <laughs> you know, I think that's, that's important when you need your break, you need your refuel. I spend 30 days a year not using social media, even though my whole life exists on it. I spend 30 days a year where I go into deeper meditation and I'm not active on my phone at all, and that helps me. But one thing I'd, I'd really look at is figuring out why you're on social media. Like just asking yourself, why am I on this platform? And if you can't answer that with a really honest, genuine, authentic reason, then find one to be on there. Because if we're not focused users, we will only be consumers. And that's when you get drawn in rather than being additive. We get consumed by the media. And that applies to everything, by the way, not just social media. That Principle applies to everything, that if you can't figure out why you're there, then why are you there, mm -hmm. right? And so I think that's really important that we figure out our intention, we figure out why we're there, what we're doing there, what's our purpose there. And so for me, I made it very clear when I started that my goal was to make wisdom go viral. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I'm focusing on, is how can we use social media to scale? And I have to add that, how many of you used Pokemon Go? How many of you played Pokemon Go with your kids? Right. Okay. Awesome. So a fair few of you. Everyone remembers Pokemon Go? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm using Pokemon Go as an example because it showed something. At that time, all game manufacturers believed that no children wanted to go outside. Mm -hmm. Right? That, that was the running line that game manufacturers like, every kid wants to be inside, no one wants to go outside. Here came a man who invented a game. I'm not saying the game's amazing. I'm just making this point. Yeah. He invented a game that made children yeah, go outside. Yeah. And the reason behind it was he said that when he was young, him and his father would go out into the woods and his father would explain to him different creatures, mm. different insects, different bugs, different animals. And his father would explain the characteristics to him. He wanted to do that with his son, but he didn't know how to get his son outdoors. Mm. So he invented this game <laughs> that became this worldwide phenomenon. My point being, it's our job to be more creative 
more focused, more excited and more enlivened to want to be with nature, to want to try new things, to, to come up with new ideas. And when we do that, that's contagious. It cascades across the whole world. So we shouldn't sit here and feel limited and imprisoned and controlled by a device, mm-hmm. right? It's up to us to decide whether it's in control or we are. Beautiful. So, so our much. time is up. Jay Shetty, everybody, he'll be thank doing a so Q&A, much, and thank break you. out. Thank yeah, you. thank you. Thank you so much, Jay. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of On Purpose. If you haven't subscribed yet, make sure you do. And if you have subscribed, please, please, please leave a review for us because we're nearly crossing that 10,000 reviews mark. We've got over 10,000 five-star reviews. It means the world to me that you all get so much out of the podcast. I love, love, love your feedback. Thank you so much. And I can't wait for you to hear next week's episodes with a new guest and a new solo. See you next week.